0: Hello and welcome to Sabbath School From Home, which this week is not actually from home. We're out on the road, and uh, when I say we, it's me, I'm Lachlan, and I'm Luke, and we're driving um, together for a fun little adventure, and we thought, um, actually, we we, re- we it's necessary that we, we record this on the road because our lives have been too busy to do it any other way. Um, so, what we've got to do this week is have a look at Ephesians 3. Why don't we jump right in and have a read through it? It's, it's pretty much the whole chapter this time. Mm.
1: Yeah, all right. Uh, well, I'll start. Um, so starting from Ephesians 3, verse 1. Uh, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly, This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory.
0: For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be
1: filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the Church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.
0: Right. Well, there's some uh, well-known passages there. The, the, the blessings and the prayers that are the latter part of Ephesians 3
1: are certainly passages that I've, I'm very familiar with. Hmm. Yeah, well, the, the, that last passage is one of my favorites now that I wasn't very familiar with because uh, it's not a famous one in Ephesians. Um, but I just think it's such a brilliant thing to remind ourselves of that whatever we ask of God, he can do more. Right? Yeah. you know, Our imagination, our desire, our hope, our fear, whatever it is, is so much smaller than what is possible.
0: Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Uh, there's a key word that I want to jump in on. Um, in, and it's the word mystery. Um, In verse 4, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. And then the same word, mystery, um, came up in verse 9. To bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for all ages. Mm. And I just really appreciate the analogy of mystery when talking about uh, some of these things. I think it's so tempting for us as humans to demystify it by trying to explain it trying to understand everything Mm. trying to make it all have it all make sense in our minds and I think it's a really valuable idea to be continually reminded that God's so much bigger it has to remain somewhat mysterious there there is a mystery that we only Mm. come we catch glimpses of
1: Although in this instance, to be fair to humans' natural desire to explain everything, Paul does immediately say what the mystery is in this instance. Yeah. Which is that the, the Gentiles are also saved through Christ.
0: Yeah. but he, So I think that's right. But in some ways, he seems to be almost implying that although he's convinced of that truth, if he were to be you know put on a dock and cross interrogated about exactly how that takes place, um, he'd struggle to put full detail around, mm. around those stories, convinced of a fundamental right. reality.
1: Yes, no, that's true. Could, you could read it that way, that you say, it, it is a mystery as to how this is so, but it is. Yeah. And now we understand this much.
0: And I think one of the reasons it would have felt mysterious is that for hundreds and hundreds of years, the, the Jews, as the um, self-recognized people of God, had felt very clearly called apart from, made distinct from the Gentiles, all of the non-Jews around them. And somehow here in this New Testament era, that distinction has been broken in a really profound way. I mean, throughout, um, throughout Ephesians, we've already encountered this metaphor in, in verse six, um, Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So that's a huge level of inclusivity which is deeply counter to the <laughs> to some of the aspects of um, the Jews' interaction yeah. with, their, with their surrounding when, Whenever
1: countries. I hear a word like inclusivity, or we're to- you're talking about the topic of the, the Jews learning, as it were, to accept others as fellow believers, you know, as Jesus with the Samaritan woman, yeah. uh, things like that, uh, it always makes me wonder well, if we're today's Jews, which you know, sometimes I, I do think the Adventists <laughs> fit that description much more accurately than they realize, um, who are today's Gentiles?
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Right? Because the message at that time was radical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it was scandalous. It was unacceptable. Yeah. It was improper. Um, it, was, it wasn't done. It wasn't, and, and, and so, it, for us now, it's normal that race is not the basis for salvation. Yeah. But what is the... Who are we excluding now... On the basis of things other than race, um, as a result of perhaps our own limited understanding of the mystery.
0: Yeah. In in these conversations, I have to admit one of the ones one of the categories that immediately comes up um, to me to my mind is is that category of people that don't fit our our comfortable traditional um, sort of ideas of gender and sexual orientation. I think. A society at large has actually changed considerably, collectively, in, in these views. I mean, it's, it's not that long ago that Western societies like the one we live in um, chemically castrated homosexual men. Um, mm. And society at large has changed from that position considerably. But within our religious community, within, in air quotes, the Jews, I think we still very much frequently identify uh, people like that as being very distinct outsiders, Gentiles. So that's always one that I find a bit challenging. I I, I reflect on
1: that. Um mm. but I think there's others. Well the, the one that I recently come to, to reflect on is the basis of class. Ah. Um, and and it, it it is that stereotypical thing of the the you know the person comes into church and they're not dressed respectably. They're not suitab- they're not middle class enough for a church attendance and everybody gives them the side eye and the cold shoulder and the pastor pulls them aside and says you can't be in here with your pierced ears and your jeans and your long hair and stuff like that yeah um, that's a kind of slightly outdated comical version of it um but <clears throat> which i'm i'm using because i've got personal examples that i, I don't want to share widely but i have seen time and time again Adventist church exclude people on essentially on the basis of class. Yeah. What 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 on the surface it is is on the basis of their appearance or perhaps the way they talk.
0: Mm. Um, But the reason why those things feel uncomfortable to us is
1: because they are low income or low education. Yeah. And and Adventist the Adventist Church is is overwhelmingly middle class and we're very uncomfortable with with people who fall outside of that category, probably in both directions, but definitely much more so the lower end. Mm. Um, and I, I really think we, we should be more aware of this weakness within ourselves. Yeah. You know, as individuals and collectively as a church, if someone comes into our church for the first time, are we gonna show them the face of God? Yes. Or are we going to turn them away because they make us feel uncomfortable?
0: yeah yeah I mean this is the challenge of verse six are we going to remind them and us that they are and I'm quoting here fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel because that's really the challenge that we're mm. that we're identifying here. Um, yeah that's interesting. I find it fascinating also here the way Paul identifies um, that uh, he identifies a certain level of appointment in his own life he He is trying hard not to boast. He's clarifying that he doesn't think he was given this mission or this insight um, or this uh, call to be a minister according to the gift of God's grace through any sort of—he hasn't earned it. Um, In fact, in verse 8, he says, though I am the very least of all the saints— the, the idea is still here that he he's recognizing a sort of a particular call, um, you know I I think it's probably true that there are some who are not as specifically tasked or called by God to be the ministers to the Gentiles again if we're talking about the sort of the the those already in a community and those that are very much on the outside mm. I think there is there is validity in some someone saying I think my my primary sort of mission that God's calling me to might might be looking in a different area. That's that's an interesting thought as well. But but to be an obstruction to those that are called to um, specifically focus in, yeah. in on this on this inclusivity of of those that are well, o- officially outside. And, and
1: I've I've always thought, and I don't know that this is necessarily to my credit. Um, I I genuinely more see it as sort of a a limitation that I have, but I've always sort of felt very strongly that if I can't do anything to help, whatever it might be, the very least I can do is not get in the way. Um, And I find that to be a very undervalued um, approach to many things in life where you, you see somebody out there doing something good, but it's not exactly the way you'd do it mm. um, if you were the one doing it, but you're not. Um, and you don't really have the capacity to do it instead. Yeah. Um, and you definitely shouldn't try and take it over and control it because you will ruin it because they're doing it, not you. And it's, you don't have the ability to do what they're doing. Um, then the course of action that you're left with is to let them do it. And, you know, the Bible. Jesus does say something very similar to his disciples at one point. You know, if they're not against us, they're for us. Yeah. You know, don't pick a fight with them just because they're not us. Yeah. Um, and I do wish in many areas of life that I've experienced, I do wish more people would take that kind of view on. Because the attitude so often out there is, well... We've got the right way of doing it, which is this. And if everyone's not doing it our way, they're doing it wrong. Yeah. Right? And even though they're doing it and we're not doing it, and we've got nothing to do with it, but we're going to criticize them over it, and we're going to complain about it, we're going to raise a big fuss, Um, to what end? It's only causing harm.
0: Yeah, it does. And actually, you see that a bit in the context here of the New Testament church as well, because there are people that are upset at Paul specifically over this approach that he has to the inclusion of the Gentiles. Mm. Um, there are, there are the air quotes again, the Jews in Jerusalem um, referred to in Acts who, who feel that what Paul is doing is somehow harming them. I and mean, this is the thing that's so weird. In what way is it harming them? But it's, mm. it's treading on th- values that they have uh, they, spent so they long. Perc-
1: they perceive a threat.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, speaking of speaking of threats, speaking of challenge, in this passage of Ephesians, Paul alludes, in uh, I think, obliquely to so verse thirteen. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, um, and the there's there's reference here um, to Paul, and and there's um, uh, the first verse one, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. There seems to be a reference here to Paul suffering hardship in conjunction with his uh, stepping up to this mission. Um, and i I'm pretty sure i the the cyber school lesson as I browse through it um, had a little bit of a of a sort of question to explore this and was pointing out that it, it's quite plausible that people especially uh, uh recent effectively recent converts to the way of Jesus might have actually been somewhat distressed by paul suffering hardships because they might have been sort of feeling, Well, hang on a minute, does that in some way discredit paul 's message you know he's is maybe god's not on his side um, so i've often been slightly uncomfortable about whether this is a sort of humble boast, uh, you know, mm. a kind of, oh, by the way, um, you know, a little bit like, um, oh, I was going to say Eeyore from one of the people, but I think it might not be. I think it might be the hippo in some of the Jungle Doctor stories. I don't, I don't mind suffering in silence as long as everyone knows <laughs> I'm suffering in silence. <laughs> um, but, but maybe there is something, I, I quite like the idea that Paul is actually speaking here, he's acknowledging his situation. Not to try and say, look how good I am, or how holy I am, or how committed I am, but actually to sort of say, look, I'm acknowledging it, but you don't need to second-guess this, mm. right? The, the, I'm still proclaiming, I'm still utterly
1: convinced right. That, right. I'm,
0: that this is, in fact, the God's call.
1: I, I'm more a prisoner of Christ than of anybody else. Yeah. That doesn't matter. Yeah. What matters is that I'm serving God. Yeah. Um, so I found, I like that.
0: Uh, to mm. me, that was a that was a helpful thought.
1: Yeah, I, I think it is. Um,
0: there's there's other things in here uh, that that we could comment on. We've we've read through the entire chapter. I I guess um, we're also wanting to hit the road again, uh, as I mentioned. So we're we're going to cut this one as a fairly short one. But just in closing, to me, this is still retaining that same uh, buoyant, upbeat. Positive feel that we've been identifying throughout Ephesians so far. Mm. There's a um, an uplifting feel to it. So Paul is definitely here writing a message of encouragement, and I think it's effective. Mm. Um, what, what do you think about the overall feel of this? I mean, so it, it, to me, the last verses they well, kind of almost yeah. bubble over, don't they?
1: I mean, I, I kind of said it in um, a couple of the previous episodes on Ephesians. I, this is not a book that I've kind of sat down and read recently. Mm. I, I have read it in the past. Um, I'm, and I, I, I think I've said on the podcast in previous episodes going back several quite a ways that I'm not always the biggest fan of Paul. Yeah. <laughs> I think if I'd known Paul personally, we would not have been close friends. Um, I, I find his personality quite grating. Um, I really, really like Ephesians so far. Um, I like the tone. I like, he's just being encouraging yet. There's a bit of teaching there. Um, there's a bit of instruction. There's a a bit of caution and warning and, and, and things like that, but mostly what the sense you get from him is that he really cares about these people and he's trying to help them as much as he can, regardless of his own personal circumstances. And it it is really, really um, uh, warm and encouraging.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. I'm quite interested to see... I know I've read um, and heard a few people comment... Uh, in relation to this quarter, looking at Ephesians, that it's sort of a book in two halves. And I think we're getting close to that switchover point where um, it makes us somewhat of a transition. And I'm really interested to see what happens in some coming,
1: uh, mm.
0: coming episodes as we, as we look at the coming chapters. So I hope that uh, you will um, join us on future episodes. There'll, there'll be another one next week. Um, as always, if you've got thoughts you'd like to share, you can email them to, to us at Sabbath School from home at gmail.com and uh, we enjoy doing these. We're squeezing it in even on a road trip. Um, and so we hope that you find some value and enjoyment from listening as well. And um, perhaps there's even people in your life, friends, family, enemies and acquaintances that, that you could potentially share this podcast with. And uh, if more people were able to benefit from the, from the activity that's already completed, in terms of our recording, that would be that would be exciting. So uh we look forward to you joining us next week. Mm.